You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 28 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's Brad Rothschild. Hey there. What's going on? You know, just living the dream. I'm so glad you're living the dream. I'm living somebody's dream. Not um, mine, but it's a dream. I know we're not jinxing anything or anything, uh-huh. so right. we can't talk about the Yankees, but I will tell oh, you. We can talk about the Yankees. We just yeah. can't mention oh. what their record is or how many games in a row they've won. I just want you to know, this is all connected. Yeah. Um, I was flipping channels yesterday, and uh-huh. I landed on what? The last 40 minutes of Field of Dreams. Okay. I'm just saying. It was nice. Uh, I like that movie. I, like I thought we were going to talk about the... I thought you were going to say you... No, because you, 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 before you said you, you no. intimated that you didn't really want to talk about it. No, I, I, I really, I don't. So, want to but I wanted to talk anything. a little bit about baseball. Yeah, yeah, we can, but I don't want to jinx their winning streak. By but what was Terrence Mann's purpose? Terrence Mann's purpose in yeah. the movie? Yeah, in the Field of Dreams. Yeah, didn't he write the book that influenced <laughs> so many people? He did, but what was his actual purpose in going to Iowa? Uh, because. You know, I haven't watched the movie recently, so I, I, have I, to... I started thinking about that because he at one point he says, "Well, now I know what everybody's purpose is, but my own." And did they not answer that? I don't. I didn't. I felt like it wasn't really answered in a clear and satisfactory way. Did Other than the fact that he wrote the book that Ray Cancella read right when he was fourteen. That, that made him not everybody. want to play baseball anymore right. and wrecked his relationship with his dad. So maybe he had to make it right. Like Ray's going there is what made things right so that he could have the catch with his father. At I the guess end so. Of the movie. I guess so. But that that doesn't really have much to do with the fact that the Yankees are playing very well. Yeah. Pitchers, pitchers are pitching well. Hitters are hitting the ball to places where there are no fielders. That's good. And they're winning. That is the objective. They're not getting thrown out on the base paths like they were last season. It's all pretty they, good. They seem to have things clicking. And then, of course, you know, there are people who are like, well, let's not get too excited. They're beating up on the Orioles and Kansas City Royals. And but you don't win those games. They come back to haunt you in September. Exactly right. So would you rather that they lose to the bad teams they're doing what they need to do, which is beating the teams that are beatable. And then this, look, this is, as we well know, the baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm already tired. You're tired of what? <laughs> of everything. <laughs> of, of the baseball season? No, just of everything. Of just my tired. diatribe about the Yankees? No, not at well, all. Keep so going. So it's a marathon. Keep going. This is a marathon. Yeah. However... If you dig yourself a big hole in April like the Yankees did for themselves last year, right. you're not doing yourself any favors. Exactly. So beat, the, beat the bad teams. Right. Pound the hell out of the bad beat teams. Beat the crap out of the bad teams. Enjoy beating the bad teams. And then, you know, hopefully you'll have enough uh, left in the tank to go to beat the good teams. 
Now, apparently, mm. there's a different tone in the clubhouse this year. Hmm. That the players seem to genuinely like each other. And a lot of the tone, the newfound tone in the clubhouse is coming from none other than Anthony Rizzo. Nice. Who apparently is really like a great like a team leader, a, a good guy. And a leader, and everybody likes him. And he's got eight home runs so far this season. Uh he's been playing incredibly I, I feel well. like I feel like this team like the the egos are not so like everybody's able to keep it kind of in check, right? I mean, after last year, nobody should have an ego except for Giancarlo Stanton, <laughs> right? Maybe. And Judge also. But um, you know, I was talking about this last night with a friend of mine, and he was asking me if I thought that the team would fare any better in the playoffs than they have in the last few years. And obviously, it's too early to answer that. But I was telling him what I like about this team. And the first thing, addition by subtraction. Right. Yes. Gary, Gary Sanchez. Yes. Was not, did not develop into the player they needed him right. to be. Right. He seemed like an overall negative. He like cast a paw on the clubhouse. Everybody, you can imagine like sitting there on the bench and he does something boneheaded. Everybody like, yeah. what a can you idiot, man? I, mean, I don't know if the look, we don't know. The other guys could have loved him, right? He could have been a great guy in the clubhouse, but he wasn't good at framing pitches. <laughs> he wasn't good at He had that you know, stunning that, run as a rookie, and that's about it. Hitting. Hitting. He was a right. monster power hitter. Right. Who would bat like 190 and hit you a bunch of home runs and strike out a lot and hit right. into a lot of ground ball double plays. Um, but he, it was really the defense. And he had a cannon for an arm. So you couldn't run on him. That was great. But he couldn't frame pitches. He was bad at blocking balls. He, like, he, he was so bad. Blocking balls. Right. And then you remember there was a play last year, I think it was against the Mets, where the runner basically came in. Just underneath him because he lackadaisically like stuck out his his glove to tag the runner instead of actually yeah, tagging the guy yeah, out, yeah, and yeah. he missed the tag, and it was just like that encapsulated his whole. There's like, a lot of in one play addition by subtraction. Yeah, and you know they have. Um, remember when play? the Giants? Remember when Tiki Barber retired? And the next season, won. the Giants won the Super Bowl. Yeah, but Tiki Barber was a good player. He was a good player, but still, I don't think he was a good good. I don't think he was good in the, in the in the in the Yankees. House. The Yankees won the World Series in 1996, the year after Mattingly retired. I wouldn't say that that was addition yeah, by true. subtraction, yeah. even though Tito Martinez was the starting first baseman right. there, and he was fantastic. Yeah, you couldn't blame Mattingly for what no, the team of had not. failed to do. Poor Mattingly paid on those lame ass teams. Yeah, he had a great career though. But he did as long as we're career. talking about baseball, I'm curious to hear your take on the on Odessa Knicks. connection no. to baseball. No. <laughs> I'm not talking about the connection of Odessa. <laughs> the forward can concoct a Jewish <laughs> angle to absolutely yeah. any story. This yeah. week we had Elon Musk and Jews and Twitter, and right. we also had the Jewish connection to Odessa, the Jewish baseball connection. To Odessa, and which, Ukraine. as it turns out, is over 120 years old. Uh, at least the players played in the 19th century, and it's like, okay, great. And as I said to you earlier, 
I love baseball. I love Jewish stuff, but this this seemed to me a bridge too far. <laughs> we are we are definitely making that Twitter the yeah. the forward pitch bot for yeah, Twitter account for Twitter yeah forward pitch bot yeah yeah. It's right. cold out. Is that good for the Jews? The Secret History of Weather by the Rothschild family. Anyway, going back to baseball for a second, oh, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm curious sure. to hear your take. And I know that I'm about to anger our producer, mm. Daron, with mm-hmm. this. Okay. A couple nights ago, yeah. the New York Mets pitching staff combined to throw a no-hitter. Yeah. To my thinking, a combined no-hitter is absolute nonsense. Yeah, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. meaningless. If you are the team that has been no-hit by six pitchers, you should be not happy with your performance. Right, but it's not anything that, oh, it's a no-hitter. But if you are the fan base of a team that pitched a combined no-hitter, would this rank as one of your greatest moments as a fan? I know. It's so lame. Talking about concocting something. Uh, look, I get it. Like the Mets don't have a lot going on, and right now they're you know their record is good, so they think that they're going to the World Series. Right, right. But I, I mean, I, it just seems really, like. Did you get excited about that though? It's I, you think there did we have these discussions about combined no hitters before everything became the twenty four hour news cycle? Like I feel like ESPN you know, they have to. And and the era of saber metrics that like well they that's have to, more to the point because they back have to in like, the day right back in the day if you started a game you finished the game <laughs> and right. that, and now if you've got a, a starting pitcher who goes into the sixth inning you're like whoa whoa he's <laughs> right. a workhorse <laughs> right. so I mean granted Johan Santana's arm fell off after his <laughs> no hitter and he paid quite a high price right for glory but. Um, that's an accomplishment. That's an achievement, right? Like right. He, there was an article about that no hitter a couple of weeks ago, and even Johan Santana, who lost his career essentially after that game, right, would not have it any other way because he wanted the no hitter, right? The first no hitter in Mets history, and and that was apparently a big deal for that long suffering fan base. Well, now they have the combined no hitter. But they are celebrating this like the second no hitter in franchise history. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's totally ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I know Daron is probably going to cancel this episode. Oh my god, he's going to put like some bad music as the lead in. It won't be. No, VH. he may not even air it. Right. It'll be censored. It'll be like a bad Ben Hagar song or something. He'll be the Elon Musk of <laughs> of this situation. Will be, <laughs> he will be the arbiter of what is. Don, we're sorry. We're sorry, but the Mets suck. Please air it's the episode. That, no, we're not saying the Mets suck. We're just uh, saying yeah. that they're new. Well, that's in the I mean, the like they're an afterthought, that's, actually. No, the Mets but, are an afterthought in my world. Well, to us, yeah. In terms of hate, it's the Red Sox. Yeah. That's it. Mets, whatever. But, they, but I mean, we're talking uh, specifically about this no-hitter. Right. Um, which is not really anything to celebrate. I'm right. sorry to say. Anybody who's real jazzed up about this, like, are you going to get, like, are you going to watch the game again? Is it, I'm sure it'll be on Mets <laughs> Classics tomorrow. But is it, like, you know, the whole point of a no-hitter is, like, the tension, right? It's the individual <laughs> no, accomplishment. 
The one the interview, pitcher right. against all these batters. Not can six pitchers. Right. Does he have does he have enough left in the tank? Right. Does he have the mental fortitude to And like the whole team sitting on one end of the bench and he's exactly. alone. I mean it's like the don't whole talk thing. To him. Don't the ritual sit next to him. Right. No, no, don't sit next to any of the six guys <laughs> who combined to throw a no hitter. You know, I I'm fearing this episode I'm fearing the music for this episode. It's gonna be like bad solo David Lee Roth. There's no such thing. <laughs> there is bad solo David. I mean, uh, I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. I think he's gonna give us something that we really don't like, like taking care of business <laughs> by Bachman Turner Overdrive or something crazy. <laughs> I'm just a gigolo. I mean, I love just a gigolo. Oh if god! He, if he wanted to put that on, it I, comes I, up I, on a playlist. I, I, I skip it. Are you um, kidding me? Yeah, Dude, solo, solo, solo. Diamond Davis. I can't. It's uh, just the magic of of. Yeah, but it's still of, worth listening to. Uh, it's still yeah. worth listening to. Especially <sighs> just a gigolo. <laughs> I mean, especially that's probably the best one. It's a classic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Plus, that video was ridiculous. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. We mentioned he who must not be named a couple of times. Who? Elon Musk is buying Twitter yeah. and everybody's pulling their hair out. I, I have to say, I am not overly exercised about this. This I is think. just, we, we, for years now, we've been talking about there's no bottom. So, like... There's no bottom. Well, there's no bottom, but it should trouble everybody that the richest person in the world is going to buy Twitter mm-hmm. and be the sole arbiter of what is and is not permissible on that site. But it's is that because you don't what if what if Elon Musk agreed with you and and your worldview? Like so wealthy families own newspapers. The Soulsburgers own the New York Times. If if Elon Musk agreed with me and my worldview, I wouldn't be fearful of him censoring. Okay, but would speech? But but I would. My point. But you just said you. But you said you're fearful that one of the world's richest people is buying Twitter. That's right. In the bizarre world, in the in the other dimension. Yeah. In the in the the other, you know, because there's a number of these things. Yeah, it's not good. Stephen is talking to Brad and Elon Musk. Agrees with Brad's worldview, then it still wouldn't be okay. It still wouldn't be okay. Right. So you don't like oligarchs. I I don't like the system that has created oligarchs, and I don't like the potential for a small handful of enormously wealthy and powerful people to be the ones who are setting the agenda, the agenda for for our society, and who are the arbiters. Of what is and is not permissible. Now, so now, do you think I, so Twitter was about, marginally better as a publicly traded company? I think that they were moving in the right direction in terms of uh-huh. getting a handle on misinformation and mm-hmm. hate speech, much right. more so than Facebook, right. by the way, which is yeah. also a publicly traded company. Right. They were moving in the right direction. I think that they finally understood the problems that have been unleashed as a result of social media in the last 15 years. And not just in America, but worldwide. Right. But here we have somebody who is coming along and basically, all, by all indications, is ready to release 
or, or to eliminate any guardrails in, on Twitter and allow for I, the free flow of hate, of hate and misinformation. I, I look. I don't. I don't disagree with you on any of that. Any of that. Yeah. Um. But, but I think there's the larger question, which is about extremely wealthy people and the things that they buy yeah. and the thing and the power and influence that they have. Not just in the United States, but globally. I mean, look, we have been since February 24th talking about Russian oligarchs' yachts. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Jeff Bezos's yacht? I mean, Jeff Bezos, who has this extraordinary power yeah. over the American economy, who has put, you know, untold numbers of small businesses out of business, starting with bookstores. Yes. You know, Lauren and I were out to dinner last night in Bethesda, and I said, Remember, there was a time you could kind of go strolling after dinner and wander into a bookstore. You can't do that anymore. Or wander into any retail store, any, for that right. matter. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, so, I, I don't think that Jeff Bezos overall is a great is great for our society either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but what do we? Go, but going back to what you had said earlier about these wealthy families that have owned newspapers or media outlets, there's a difference between when Jeff Bezos buys the Washington post mm -hmm. or with the Salzberger family that owns the New York times. And if there was one man who was aggregating all of that information, because Twitter really uh, is not just one platform. It's every platform. Okay. That's a good point. So that's a good point. So but the, the question I have is it, it again, and I think that it's not just to you, it's to everyone. Do we like, do we dislike oligarchs and the system that produces them? Or yes. do we dislike certain oligarchs? I mean, look, uh, Bill Gates once was the wealthiest man in the world. He has devoted his resources to global public health. He's evil to all these crazy sheeples who believe that crazy things about, you know, the vaccines and stuff, which is why I told you after my last booster that Bill Gates was coming in loud and clear. But if we, if we, it, it, it's, it's the question that I think that the Musk purchase of Twitter brings to the fore. Okay. Is but it Bill the system Gates, or is it the person? It's the system. And Bill Gates, when he was the CEO of Microsoft, Microsoft yep. did not behave That's in right. ways that were good for That's... the economy as a whole, for technology right. as Does a whole. Does everybody remember Netscape? Exactly. The Netscape so they, browser. So, Right. So Microsoft essentially acted as a monopolist right. and that is not healthy for our, for our economy, for our. So politics. how do we solve the problem of Elon Musk and the oligarchs? Part of the problem I believe could be solved by taxing these people <laughs> at a rate that is commensurate with their, with the money that they have. Because if he didn't have access to $44 billion lying around, then this wouldn't be so much of an issue. Right. Right. right? So, so then you have people who are like, well, he's trying to figure out electronic uh, or uh, electric vehicles and space exploration. And these are really important things. That's great. But should they be concentrated in the hands of one person? There's a problem with the system that allows right. this to happen. Let me just say by way of full disclosure, I do drive an Elon Musk product. Okay. That but I'm that is a with. publicly traded company. Right. 
Okay. And for as horrible of a human being as he <laughs> is, and by all indications, as horrible of a boss as he <laughs> right. is, there are some constraints on his behavior because right. of the fact that he is the CEO of a and, publicly traded company. And you can't argue with the success of either Tesla or SpaceX. You can't. Okay, but they're absolutely, you know. But again, he, he's clearly an innovator. Okay. Innovative. Okay, but that doesn't mean that right. he. Okay, so we should tax... Democrat small d. No, 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 no. So again, is our is, is the answer is taxing yes. the wealthy? What else? That's There's got to be it. more to it than that. It has to be campaign okay. finance reform. Well, taxation, campaign finance reform. What How else? How about um, you know if if labor unions had. A larger role in. Listen, so did our... you see that? We said that it was either the Washington Post or New York Times this week. Is that the Times? It was about... the Times about all these college-educated yeah. people who can't get jobs in their field who are going to work in Starbucks and Amazon, and they're the ones who are doing the union organizing. Exactly. So there is a problem when the gap between the very few at the top and the multitudes at the bottom is is has become like a, a chasm, right? Mm-hmm. So when power is concentrated in too few hands at the right. expense of the many, then it leads to instability okay, so, and to authoritarianism. So, so, so here's the question: then. So we have, we have, um, we need to tax the wealthy appropriately. We yeah. need campaign finance reform. Should social media be companies be regulated like utilities? Like, should Facebook be regulated like a, a utility? It looks um, like the European Union is putting some greater guidelines in place to regulate social media, and right. that seems to be a step in the right direction. Okay, so there's there's three solid things. Don't forget what I said about uh, unionizing unions. And for so do, should should I mean, or should these companies be broken up? I mean, does Facebook have too much power? Does, does I think should, I. I think the question of well, you can't break up a company like Twitter because Twitter is one. No, thing. no, no. But you Facebook can separate Twitter and from what? From the other properties that he owns. What is it? Well, except those are. Pro- I mean, really Tesla Facebook, is publicly owned, right? It's so, really Facebook that has right Instagram and WhatsApp, right? And and I mean, I don't think breaking Facebook up is the problem. Although mm. it wouldn't bother me, right? If if Instagram and WhatsApp were, were divested or Facebook divested itself from those uh, entities. But I think it's more along the lines of regulating the speech. It's not just a platform because mm-hmm. they are determining what stories you're seeing and what stories I'm seeing. Well, Facebook they're, is different than Twitter. I mean, Twitter, it's really basically how you curate who you follow. But there are also algorithms that are, that are there. True. But, but one of the things that I have found that has been helpful to me at those, uh, at those moments uh, is that, uh, <laughs> is that you can, curate exactly who you follow which means there are certain things that don't have to clog your your twitter feed right that's very true and you can block certain people but you're still going to be fed things that you don't necessarily ask to be fed as opposed to on facebook where they are actively sent like bringing stories to you right based Based on what they want you to see right Yeah, yeah 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 right all those stories about you know creating a fake facebook profile and just liking you know 
one or two things and all of a sudden you're getting QAnon content in your Facebook feed. And when, and when they publish, and you've sent these things out, uh, when they publish the list of the most uh, <laughs> prominently featured stories on Facebook, they usually have like a top 10. Right. Uh, and it's all conservative. Vax disinformation. I mean, it's like Ben QAnon, Shapiro. Ben Shapiro, nonsense. right. And Ben Shapiro pays a lot of money to get that placement on Facebook. Right. But it's right. invisible to the average person. Right. That's right. So they don't really know that they're being fed this stuff because somebody's lining their pockets. Well, what's happened is, is that folks like Ben Shapiro and others have basically rigged Facebook yes. in a way that... They pay money to do that. And they rig... And, I mean, how is it that Ben Shapiro's, you know, schlocky shit gets more, you know, time and shared more on Facebook than, you know, the New York Times stuff? Right. It's because it has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that they have the whole thing rigged. So, but they I don't rig know. it to by me, paying for that. He's to paying me, Facebook. It makes no, I, to me, I agree. It makes no difference. This concentration of wealth has proven to be, regardless of whether someone, is, whatever their political perspective is, has proven to be uh, a net negative, let's say, that has kind of reinforced already existing political and economic pathologies in the country that, that there that are- That is an absolute threat to the continuation right, of our democracy. Right. And that, you know, there are things that can be done, but unfortunately they're not going to be done. No, because the politicians are owned by the oligarchs. <laughs> That's part right. of the As issue. I was saying, campaign finance reform is a critical piece of this. I mean, a critical piece of this. Yes. I mean, yes. it's no wonder why the guy, what, you know, what's happened at Facebook is the guy who's really, you know, I, let's set aside Sheryl Sandberg and her, you know, total bullshit. <laughs> She's a total fraud. She's been made by her, all of her connections and this, that, and the other thing, and all these men who've promoted her and so and her faux feminism. Let's just set the whole thing aside. Mark Zuckerberg's actual consigliere yeah. is a Republican political operative who knows Washington, who has helped him buy the right people in D.C. Well, that's all it takes in this day and age because right. we have eliminated all of the guardrails against that that right. used to exist. Right. And they don't exist anymore. Right. And I don't know about you, but this morning, and it's Sunday when we're recording this, and we usually do it on Saturday, on the Sabbath. I was but doing too Sunday. many suburban man things yesterday and, get um, to do this. I was looking at the New York Times this morning, and I was completely depressed by every... I mean, there's this humongous article... About Tucker on, Carlson? On Tucker Carlson. I mean, like, The pages. most racist television program. Yes. And then there's like this whole big piece on J.D. Vance in the oh. Week in Review section. And then uh, there's another piece about J.D. Vance. Right. And then it's Ross Duhat's talking about J.D. Vance. And I'm like, man, it feels like today the New York Times decided like, hey, we're going to have an introduction to our newest authoritarian leaders. <laughs> Here's today's profile. I, and, you know, it's funny because I started with the post. I read the Times online. We get the post at the the driveway, and like the post wasn't as bad today. I I was drawn mostly to the Ukraine articles this morning, uh, but there there was a morning. I think it was Wednesday morning. I was like, I can every time I turn the page of the of the of the Washington Post, it's just you worse. Fucking worse. kill yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, in D.C., the, the the I'll give you one. 
the governor of Virginia. We've talked about him before. Glenn he, now, he doesn't like the school board in Loudoun County, Virginia. That's right. He basically won his, his the governor uh, his, his the governor's race based on attacking the school board in Loudoun County. So now he doesn't like them. So he wants to by pass a law that forces this one school board to have an early election because he don't like them. What? Yeah, I, I, I mean. mean that's some serious, like, Putin, Middle East authoritarian bullshit. Ron DeSantis bullshit is what it is. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, you know. Here we were having other... a conversation like, about baseball, and now we're back to Ron DeSantis. I mean, seriously. But, you know, the other day. President DeSantis. The other day, I was out of New York City. I was yeah. ventured out of the city, which is something I don't do all that much. <laughs> And I found myself, I won't say where. So you're a rooted cosmopolitan. You're I not a am rootless a, well, cosmopolitan. rootless in the sense that they, you can't grow roots in concrete, but rooted in, you know, cement in some yes. way. Okay. Right? You get uncomfortable if you're not on the island of Manhattan. I mean, I'm not uncomfortable, depending on what Italian restaurant I'm in off of the island of Manhattan. But I'm uncomfortable among white folks off of the island of Manhattan. And I was in a bank. Okay. Okay. God, I don't remember the last time I was actually in a bank. Yeah. No, no, okay. we were in a bank, and I put on my mask, even though you know, right now I'm sort of no. I mean, yes, I'm kidding. they were robbing me. Come on. Okay. The banks okay. rob you, and I put my mask on. Right. And there was an older gentleman mm-hmm. wearing a red hat. Mm. That said on it, make America great again. <laughs> and he walked past me yeah. and started mumbling something about the number of people wearing masks in the bank. Yeah. And he was obviously annoyed by it. Okay. I kept my mouth shut because I'm like, what am I going to do? Punch this old man in the face, even though I'd I be really like, want dude, to? I'm a cancer survivor. Fuck you. I, you know, when I my go-to response from now on is going to be pull my mask on and say, well, I have COVID and I figured that this mask is probably the safest thing for me to walk around with. But as he walked away from me, I thought, these are the people who scream all about personal freedom. Right. Don't I have personal, personal freedom free- to wear right. a mask if I want to? Like, That's how right. does that hurt him? If right. you see me wearing a mask, that shouldn't bother you. Right. You should say like, "Oh, you're living in fear." Well, then let me live in my that's fear. My, that's my that's freedom. my freedom to my live choice. in fear. No, my I don't body, want you to live choice. in fear. I don't want you to live in fear. Not your business, sir. Not your business. Just like I'm not telling you what to do. Don't tell me what no, to me do. what to do. Exactly. But it doesn't work that way. For I'm that. waiting for that confrontation to happen with me. I'm just Are waiting you? for someone to. Say, I, 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 it's, it's going to happen. Look, um, the. Again, long COVID, we talked about this last week. Long COVID would be really, really bad. Yeah. Anybody who you know who's had it and has it, it's quite debilitating. So in those places, um, you know, you gotta wear a you gotta wear a mask. Again. So someone I I was almost certain that. You know, last Saturday when I was flying back from O'Hare and there was no one in the terminal wearing a mask and I was wearing a mask. 
I was almost certain someone was going to say something to me. Yeah, but again, all you have to say, personal freedom, man, personal choice. Right. You have your choice. I have mine. Let right. me respect my choice. How about right. that? Respect okay. my choice. So, um, yeah, well, this is going to be, this is the way it is, man. Like the Republicans have all this momentum going into 2022. Um, of course, I was saying the other day to two colleagues, I was like, you know, we that's the what everybody says and that's what yeah. the polls indicate and that's right. what all the, the commentary says but they haven't been right in like three or four cycles but you know right susan collins was supposed to be well into her retirement by now um oh, donald trump is never supposed to win the 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 presidential campaign i mean there's all oh. these things that the pollsters and, and pundits said was going to happen that turned out to be wrong so that's maybe it'll point. be wrong hopefully inshallah it will be but, wrong. I mean, I think we need to be ready for the possibility of, you know, a Republican takeover of both the House and the Senate. And that all of these things that we're talking about, the Elon Musk stuff, yeah. all the, 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 the power of the oligarchs is not going to go away. No. This is, no. this is our reality until there is some break. I don't know what that break is. This At period one point, of I thought the pandemic would be the break. There is no break. No, well, that's the point. We keep saying there's no bottom. There's no bottom. There's no bottom, and that's why you know to mix metaphors. I see. I see the train coming, and it's coming right at us, and we're stuck on the track. This. Where is this going? The, there's. There's an obvious place that this is going. Breakdown, violence, authoritarianism. Uh, some you know startling numbers of Americans have no real commitment to democratic politics. Exactly. So um, this is, and, and the the part of the problem and, and if fusing back to, looping back to Elon Musk is we don't really have an answer to this. Our yeah. liberal principles and freedoms are being weaponized against liberal democracy. And that makes it, it makes it really, really hard for liberal small D Democrats to fight that, to fight, especially when the other side has no shame, the hypocrisy knows no bounds. We'll right. do and say anything because it's right. all so, about power. So what do we do? Give up? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not willing to give up. But I also, we, we, I mean, the reality is, um, this was not how it was supposed to turn out, <laughs> and we have to fight. Um, but we Isn't are, it is stacked against liberal Democrats. Yeah. People who, that, yeah. people, not liberal Democrats in the sense that I'm a member of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. No. I'm a Democrat. People who, people who believe in Democratic who, norms. You know, right. Who want to live in yeah. a Democratic system. Well, that's the point there. As you said, there are way too many people who just don't right. feel the need to live in that the, system anymore. Right. There is temptation there aren't to follow people, people say only I can fix it. When they're full yeah. of shit, they're they're only you know. Yeah. So read the New York Times about JD Vance today. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. That guy is piece I, of crap. Piece of piece crap. of shit. Yeah, who's getting his money from tech oligarchs? Peter Thiel, right? Yeah. I was so. I, I, so another time, I'll tell you about my encounter with Peter Thiel. I'll do that. He's a douchebag. What a shock. All right. 
Alright. I think we're done. We are. On that right. happy note. Alright. Yankees play today. the week after that one. <laughs> Yankees play today? Yeah, it's Sunday. Yankees play. Alright. Mariano Duncan, we play today, we win today. Remember that? 1996. Yes. Yeah. Alright. Alright. We're out. We're out.